Hey guys, welcome to episode 59 of Creative Writing Motorcycle Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and before we start, I want to say, if you can give us a little love, please go to iTunes and leave a review, or at least hit a couple star buttons. Go to uh, Google Play Store, uh, anywhere where you get your podcast delivered to your podcatcher smartphone whatever you listen on and uh give us a rating give us a review and check out some of the people that we mentioned throughout the show we're trying to share the love and and keep this motorcycle community strong in regards to what's been happening recently in the political sphere and in the motorcycle world so let's uh make this motorcycle journey last a little bit longer why don't we and share the love all right let's get into today's episode Welcome to the Creative Riding Motorcycle Podcast, the internet's home for motorcycle mediocrity. Your host. Listen, I can barely tie a shoe, let alone figure out this thing. And isn't that funny how people say not to be an asshole, but then they go on to be an asshole? Oh, baby. I don't know, did it wheelie? I can't tell if he's just revving the motor and being a jerkwad. My skin met the asphalt. But these new new ways kit my... All right, a couple of blurbs, whatever they do with cocaine. The people who make it happen. The first bike I ever bought was originally hanging from the rafters in his garage. It's a cafe racer with alloy manks, racing tank, and clip-ons, and all that jazz. And the thing's beautiful. I just love the way the Norton sounds. The Soma actually was purchased by uh, the Barber Vintage Motorsports Museum. Right. So that's where she lives now. Oh, man, bro. I was doing 200 miles an hour, and my fingers are coming off the grips. This is in and out of traffic. Um, I got to wheelie through an intersection on that. <laughs> Rad. Yeah, it was a little unexpected, but I got some applause from the homeless guy at the bus, de- bus bench. That was pretty fun. I think my dad first gave me my first motorcycle, which was a Kiwi 80, when I was four years old. And the first thing I did was look in the bushes, showing mum how cool it was. Well, um, all right, technically all chaps are assholes, right? Or else yeah, they just came up with dance. Yeah, that's, we decided that you can call anything without an ass on it assless. All season, my bike's been having a problem hopping off the starting line. Like the back of the bike will hop real bad and I'll have to let off the gas and get back in it. And I would go to Jesse's and hang out upstairs in the old building at West Coast Choppers. And he let me sit there and just watch him. Uh, right now, I'm drinking a stone rumination, um, but that's not all I do. Earlier today, I was <laughs> I was working on a BMW R90. Hooray! Let's get started. Hey, grandmas and grandpas, welcome back to episode fifty-nine of. I hope you've had another productive week doing whatever it is that you do. And in this episode, I want to say something: the circus, the beef, where has it all gone? Those and more questions asked on this episode. First things first, let's do a little bit of house cleaning really quickly. And uh, I want to talk about some stuff that happened that I was excited for this week. Uh, The Moto Lady party at Lucky Wheels Garage happened last, ooh, Saturday? Yep, you got that right. Last Saturday. And uh, try to go down there. 
tried to go down there. I tried to attend and get the scoop on what was happening. Uh, celebrating six years of Moto Lady, uh, two year, the second year, you have the uh, Moto Lady show, uh, women's motorcycle show. I wanted to check out some cool bikes and uh, see who built them and, uh, you know, just check out the scene, see what was going on. Uh, here's the mistake I made. I went down there with my kids. I uh, wanted to take my little girl so that she could experience women's motorcycling, uh, you know, and, and kind of introduce her to, you know, the potentials of that and see what cool other cool stuff's going on, uh, female role models and whatnot. You know, just be a, be a cool dad and take my little girl. Uh, here's what didn't happen. Now, Lucky Wheels Garage is right in L.A., right where, oh, I got, what is, I, it's right by Cesar Chavez, where, like, you literally start to go into downtown from, like, the, right, the surrounding area. I I don't know exactly what that area is called right there, but there's, like, a wash and a rail station, and, I don't know, there's a lot of stuff happening right down there, and so you can expect that there's not a whole bunch of parking and down there in the arts district or anywhere else. If you go down and you try to, you know, if you try to go to angel city brewing or anything like that, you'll know what I'm talking about. You have to like literally find parking like two miles away and walk to whatever you want to do, because chances are every hipster or every person with a block on their head goes down there and, uh, you know, parks, snatches up some parking and then there's nothing else to be had. There's like this crazy street fair. That's all that's going on down there too, where you can kind of see it happen like at sunset junction and other places around LA where they take away parking and make it something else. You know, at sunset junction, they took away parking and road. Uh, it was like a little median there and made it like this little, they called it a park, and uh, they set up like chairs and cafe and a no traffic area. That's cool for the people there and at that intersection that were lacking a place to, you know, uh, I guess hang out. But you have a paved park. I mean, it's just a chunk of the road that you can just hang out in now. So it's not anything special. But also they do down by Angel City Brewing, brewing, not brewering. They do uh, like a street fair and like this little flea market thing. It's pretty cool if you're looking for artisanal handcrafted leather goods and beaded bracelets and you know edward sharp the I mean, when they're not making music they're probably down there selling like goatskin tambourines and spring water from <laughs> silver lake reservoir I, I don't know i'm just being an asshole now but what i'm saying is there's no parking at any of these places now, when I went down to Lucky Wheels, same sort of thing. They're right, they're not quite in that artsy-fartsy district, but they're right there where there's nothing around except for like a bridge with a few homeless people under it. So, of course, you're not going to park there, and I don't think you can park under the bridge anyway. But either that or you're going to park next to the, the, the railway. Now, behind, directly behind Lucky Wheels was like this weird dark street with just nothing but train tracks. It's like a huge... um I don't know what they call it when like all like a rail yard or something like that. Right. I guess I could have parked back there, but you're literally parking next to the wrong side of the tracks, literally. And on the front side where all, where the shop is, where cars hadn't hogged up because it is, you know, like a slightly residential slash business area, there was like bikes everywhere. And that's cool. That's what it was for. It was just a ton of bikes. And I was glad to see all the, 
all the bikes that showed up. There was hundreds of bikes, and there was even more people in cars that showed up. That ended up, they did end up parking around back, you know, when walking around. It, you had to walk around the whole block, which is a huge block. It's not. It wasn't a quick block, but. I had a kids with me and I have a five year old and a six year old. And I was, I thought I was doing myself a solid doing some good parenting by not parking back there uh, and walking around. If something would have happened, I mean, if it was just my daughter, so be it. I could have carried her, um, you know, especially if she got tired or something like that, I would have been able to carry her. But with two kids, there was no way I was parking back there. Uh, I would have felt kind of sketchy with one, but with two, yeah, no way. And trying to wrangle them, uh, the traffic, the fact that there was like no street lights back there. And eventually a bunch of guys started parking back there. And you know what? Like I felt would have felt safer with all those biker guys back there because I know who's going to show up at the show. It's people, you know, that are going to see what they're going to see. And I know that's me. That's my community going there. But at the same time, hashtag good parenting. Felt like I was doing my kids a solid by not parking literally by some train tracks in the dark in a crappy looking alley. So did not end up going to lucky wheels. <laughs> so man, what a bummer. But anyway, was super stoked that that went down and, uh, you know, tried to make it there. Maybe next time I will go earlier or something like that, you know, and not wait and show up when everyone's showing up. I'll be the guy that's there right on time, which in LA means that like you're an hour early. So at anyway, at any rate, that happened. Uh, something else: the the rain around here, the rain, and I know I've uh, a lot of other California-based podcasts that have been talking about it. Right now is a perfect time to hit up the desert because of the weather. And somebody from the recycled garage up in Santa Cruz did just that. I gotta say, I was a little bit jealous of Lucky Lucky Jim, no Naked Jim. Who was very lucky to go out to the valley. He was in my part of town, actually. Johnson Valley is where he cruised out to, and that's not too far from here. Uh, that is just right up north of me, I think, is where. Yeah, that's Johnson Valley. Um, or no, that's east of me. Yeah, he was out here by me, and um, so yeah, I was uh, heard, listening about his trip, but talking to uh, some of the listeners about you know, heading out to like Johnson Valley or Hungry Valley or, you know, El Mirage. They're all, it's all kind of like out uh, east of me here. So there, it's a lot of cool places to go, especially right now with the weather being what it is. So yeah, that might be something that we do uh, over this quote winter <laughs> because it's going to start turning into summer here again in about two months. So yeah, that that sounded like a fun trip that he had, but the thing is, is that the rest of like Santa Cruz was under some rain, uh, apparently, and then uh, the Throttled podcast. Uh, yeah, I think one of the guys is out here, and um, they were talking about the rain. And so, yeah, I know it's been incredibly rainy up north, but it's also been just pouring down here. And I've I've gone riding. I finally, uh, you know. I, I, the past couple of weeks, I'm still a little bit sick, but the past couple, it feels like a month now, actually, almost uh, like three weeks. I've been, I've been pretty sick. And, but when it's, you know, when I felt good, it's been pouring. And when I, of course, don't feel good, I got either something going on or like, you know, I feel under the weather. So finally, I just had to go riding. And it's like, man, I've been, I went riding the past couple of days and, uh, so yeah, we've, we need this rain. I mean, granted we do, we, we really need this, but, um, if you don't, you know, I don't know if you don't think whether climate change is, uh, real, 
<laughs> I got news news for you, dude. It's like I don't know. I feel we're not like flooded like they are in uh, parts of the east or anything like that, but we're definitely getting a pretty wet winter. We only get that here like once every ten years, so it's been it's been longer than that. But um, maybe this is just going to be one of those years where it gets really wet. So my question this week is: You ever go out to your bike? Because I went out for a ride the other day, and I pulled out my bike and. Uh, there's a nut, a little nut on the ground. It was a, I think it was a 10 mil and, uh, just kicking it there. And I'm going, what the heck? What did this come off of possibly? Cause there's not that many 10 millimeters on my, I mean, there's like my shift lever, my, uh, the, you know, my levers brake and clutch. Um, I can't really think of what else has a 10 mil on it. Maybe something on the carb or something like that, but I don't know. You ever go out and just there's like a random piece of hardware on the ground under your bike? <laughs> You're like, what the heck happened here? What, a, dude? Do I dare take off? Now, funny. I I, I feel kind of funny mentioning this because when um I went riding the last time I went up to Newcomb's Ranch, it was actually when Liza and Jim were up. I haven't been up there. I didn't go up. Haven't been up since. But um, when we were coming back down, I was dragging pegs in the corners. And I was like, that's kind of weird. My bike, the pegs are kind of high. Like you have to lean it over pretty far to drag pegs, you know. But I was, I did it in a couple corners and I thought that's weird. I didn't think I was leaning that far over. Um, And when I got halfway home, I looked down and I realized, well, I was more than halfway home, but I realized that the bolts had come out of my <laughs> stinking my foot peg bracket and i was like oh dude for reals and i think because oh, i had to uh, adjust my valves before i went on that ride i, I gave my bike a tune-up and and uh, adjust my valves change the oil all that great stuff and to do that i have to take the shift lever off and take the side cover off and like spin the, you know, rotate the uh, crank around so that the valve's clear, yada, 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 right? And so when I put everything back together, it could be that I just like hand tightened them in and forgot to torque them down when I torqued everything else down and just lost them on the ride up there. Because when I got back home, I was like, there's no way both of those fell out. There's no way I didn't tighten both of those down and they rattled out. You know, that's, that's stupid. That's insane. Um, they would have noticed something. My, my pegs would have been jiggly way before. Cause it's, you know, it's, uh, I don't know exactly how many miles it is up to Newcombs, but it's a little trip. It's like an hour up and an hour back or something like that. I, uh, I feel like. And so there's no way I just, I left them off and they're down here somewhere in the garage. Like I just totally spaced and got lucky. Right. And I was trying to figure out how I got so lucky. I was like, man, how did I not my peg not come off on like the freeway up there? Cause it's like way more bumpy than the road. You know, when you're on a twisty mountain roads, it's pretty smooth. So I just couldn't figure it out. So when I got home, I, you know, replaced them and so this time, and I made sure I tightened everything down <laughs> since then, like haven't had that happen since. So, um, but yeah, just a weird bonehead move. I guess I didn't torque them down all the way and they just backed out or something on the ride and dragged peg on the way down. So on the way, uh, out the other day, like there's this nut and it was bugging me cause I really honestly, like especially since October when I, my bike almost rattled to pieces on that stupid washboard road that I rode for the spooky spokes episode. Um, I really 
check it and make sure everything is just on it and tight and, and this and that. So the little nut on the ground was a little bit, you know, uh, it was, it was an eye opener, not an eye opener because uh, I didn't really learn anything from it, but it's one of those things that makes you start to wonder, should I go riding right now or is something like totally going to fall off? So anyway, ridiculous sounding it is because there's, like I said, not that many 10 mils on my bike, but, um, yeah, needless to say, it, it turns out I was looking at it and it, I'm pretty sure it was just came from my workbench when, uh, me and the kids were fooling around with some stuff the other day. So I was trying to, um, just have them like put some stuff in. I think that one of them just dropped a nut, but that's, you know, ugh, that's kind of a weird thing when you, uh, see some hardware laying under, under your bike or like a huge puddle and you're like, Hmm, you know, what's going on here. And, um, so yeah, anyway, that reminds me when I, I went riding the other day, I was coming home and at a stop sign, I see a brake pad, a car, a car brake pad at the, at the stop sign. So if you're a car <laughs> and you put on the brakes and all of a sudden you hear like some weird, crazy metallic crunching, like that's some bad news. If your stinking brake pad falls out, I don't even know how that would happen. Uh, let me think. Yeah, because it would be riding, I guess, I mean, I, I guess it happened, so I, I'm not 100% sure how. I mean, I guess it could have broke, because um, usually they're kind of wedged up in there, so that if even if they're, like, floating, there's little retainers that hold them, but e- even if that should, like, slip and come out, I, mm, yeah, I guess they could slip out if they, uh, especially if they grab the disc and then, like, fling out of there, so I don't know, but anyway, I'd rather lose a, a a little nut, you know, a little 10 mil than a, uh, a brake pad. So that's, that's kind of funny, but yeah. So the rain, the brake pad, the bolt, all this crazy stuff just happening. And, uh, so yeah, another thing I wanted to say is thanks for everybody for reaching out to the show recently. We've had a lot of people hitting us up. Tumblr's blowing up and going crazy. Um, a lot of bike builders and stuff uh, reacting on Tumblr. Um, I don't know how much people build on there and then like just, you know, post and, and do their own thing. Sometimes I even do that. But uh, now that I'm getting uh, crazy notifications on my phone, um, a lot of people reaching out back. A lot of people that are doing the stuff, liking uh, a lot of a lot of new Tumblr followers, so on and so forth. So check out our Tumblr page. I'm always looking for great stuff that's happening in the community that people are building, or great pictures that people are posting, whether it's vintage or just like some pretty amazing stuff, or just some cool bikes. So and I try to pick out a little bit of everything: some modern stuff, some vintage stuff, some race stuff cafe stuff, um, old drag race stuff, motocross stuff, yada, yada, yada. You get the, you get the picture, but thanks for that. Thanks for rich from loud pipes for sending a couple emails, by the way, um, our usual contributor, uh, and, uh, field editor, <laughs> Bri Viffer, uh, Paul Smith, um, you know, Chris Singsheim, all these guys checking in and, uh, a few new chatters, uh, from Facebook, you know, people reaching out. So that's kind of cool. And, uh, Rich from Loud Pipes has used the email button from our Facebook page. And so I know it works. So it's like literally the most convenient thing you could do. It just, if you're not into like, Typing in creative writing podcast at gmail.com. I get it. That's kind of long to type into your email server. So go ahead and just go to the Facebook page, 
click on the uh, send an email and it'll do it for you. And it tells me, hey, this came from Facebook. So I know you're, you know, finding me there or whatever. So, yep, do that. Sounds great. And uh, before we get into the topics of this week's show, uh, let me give a little love to someone that's uh, helped us out tremendously. Uh, don't you hate it? Doesn't it give you a headache when you're have all these audio problems when you're trying to record your own podcast? <laughs> maybe you don't record a podcast, but maybe a migraine affects your work. Maybe a migraine affects your ability to have fun with your family. If you're having anything migraine related, any of this stuff get getting you in your way of, of living your life to the fullest, head over to goodbyemigraine.org. Josette is a fellow motorcyclist and a musician and a lifelong migraine sufferer. How she really had a hard time enjoying motorcycles, enjoying playing music with, with, you know, this migraine just hanging over her head, literally, quite literally. So she did something about it. And now she's helping others. She's a migraine coach. And if you go over to her website, she'll let you know migraines can be healed naturally without the need for pharmaceuticals by reactivating the body's ability to heal itself. You can sign up for their newsletter. Check out all the resources. They've got a blog. They've got stories over there. And she can help you with migraine coaching or set you in the right direction if you need some resources. She believes in doing it all naturally, so guaranteed it'll probably set other areas of your life back into balance as well. So get rid of that migraine. Go over to goodbyemigraine.org and say goodbye today. Holy crap. It is raining cats and dogs right now. Uh, I just stepped in a poodle oh god i went there i'm so sorry no it's coming down i i had to take my headphones off because these things kind of block out lots of sound and i could hear it through i was like what is that noise sound like someone frying eggs um yeah it's the rain coming down man so like i said i uh just trying to get out there and ride when i can recently so geez man it's gonna be like one of those uh luckily some upcoming events going to be indoors the del mar arena uh january 28th and 29th ivy league flat tracks going to be their only san diego event this year and luckily it's going to be inside the del mar arena so even if it's raining go on and check it out track conditions are going to be perfect oh brian bell and that flat track team they do it to me every time yeah they do they do such a really good job of finding just the right venue and timing it right and getting the track prep just right. So looking forward to that. And hopefully gonna hook up with some listeners of the show there, maybe. Uh, one of my coworkers hooked up with a Motovlog crew, the San Diego versus LA uh Motovlog meetup happened uh, I guess last weekend. And uh, my coworker went out and rode. He was like a handful of cruisers that was in the crazy sport bike. I didn't even know about it. I'm not really into mode vlogging. Sorry. Uh, it's kind of boring just watching some dude's point of view helmet ride. So I know, I know there's other guys that don't do that stuff. And to be honest, I w- used to watch Jake the garden snake all the time, but it's cause he used to be funny. I don't know if he's that funny anymore, but he used to be real funny. 
And so nowadays I watch, uh, you know, Joey Mac for 20 on YouTube and I watch a bunch of people run over animals on YouTube. And I just think, man, I'm so glad I wear my helmet because some of these guys didn't have a helmet on and a deer jumped over their bike and kicked him in the head. Ah, well, let's get into some real news. Let's get into the actual episode, shall we? I mean, it's sad that it's taken 23, 24 minutes to blab on this far, but let's get into some stuff that's been happening. I don't know if you heard, but uh, Indians coming out with the new flat tracker, the uh, FTO7. It's the FTR750, you total tool. I told you this last year, you guys. But I also told you last year that I was super excited about what Victory was doing, racing Pikes Peak and Pikes Peak. Did they race Pipes Peak? I didn't. Is Pipes Peak even a real mountain? That'd be awesome if it was. I'm going to start the Pipes Peak hill climb. It might just be a hill, like a 20-foot tall hill. Um, but yeah, the Pikes Peak hill climb, you know, they raced the uh, Victory Impulse. They raced... The Victory Project 156, which I think I posted up a couple last week, last Monday, when I did my little write-up about Victory closing. Closing its doors, well, winding down. They haven't officially closed them yet. But I was listening to the Loud Pipes podcast, so I'm I'm cheating. I guess I'm telling you what day it is today. It's March 15th, 1963. And uh, yeah, I listened to the Loud Pipes. They gave a really nice Victory farewell. And I think they're going to do a second part to that as well, because Chalpila showed up a little bit late. But uh, so, yeah, they did a really nice uh, farewell episode of Victory, but they said that they found an impulse for 6000 bucks at one of the dealerships. And that's one of my biggest questions. I think I mentioned it uh, last week when I, you know, talking about Victory, my big concern for them closing is, you know, well, first of all, Let's just talk about uh, Grizz. He rode around the world on his victory last year, made crazy headlines, crazy news. His victory was at IMS. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know. Just a lot of people are doing crazy stuff on victories. And oh my God, the rain. Hang on. Let me pause. Let me go. Oh my goodness. Let me go make sure my house isn't going to float away. It's not going to float away, and luckily I got the leak in my garage fixed, so no water is going to be dripping into my fuel tank. Just the uh, ethanol separate will turn into water. Oh, God. All right. Anyway, yes, so uh, one, of my, one of the things I wanted to know about Victory Closing is doors was what's going to happen with the impulse. Um, loud Pipes made a good, uh, you know, talking about the show or talking about victory on their show and uh, kind of making a comparison to like Kia and Hyundai. Do you remember when they, no, I guess, was it when they first came on the market? I don't know if it was when they very first came on the market uh, or if it was something they did like a couple years in going, Ooh, we need to get some more market share, but they had like this 10 year, hundred thousand mile warranty. The cars were really cheap. Heck I, when I was looking for, something more reliable. I've always owned a total POSs my whole life. And I was, was racing Volkswagens for a long time and driving them every day to work. And I love Volkswagens, Volkswagen Beetles, the old bug. But uh, I was even looking into like a Hyundai Elantra or something back then. Cause I was like, dude, this is affordable. And look at this crazy pricing on this thing with this type of warranty. However, 
Um, those cars aren't made in the USA. And we all know, or most of us know, that other countries where some of this stuff is manufactured, until recently when more, you know, more stuff got outsourced there, um, child labor laws and sweatshops and all that stuff started to really get cracked down on. And I'm not saying there's any kids building a Kia or a Hyundai, but I'm just saying that other countries, especially China and probably some of the other countries in that area, artificially keep wages low. And that's why China has not had a middle class for a super long time. They've artificially depreciated their own money or something like that. So people would keep going there. And um, it's weird what happens when you start to pay attention to like finances and things like that. It's a communist country, so I doubt they have unions. Um, and if they do, they are probably, you know, government, state sanctioned or, you know, so they are obviously like you can't, I don't know. There, there's a lot of things that, that aren't there. So for victory to roll in and, and try to do something like that, undercut everybody budget wise um, and still keep their stuff manufactured in the United States uh, by American workers. I don't think the U S unions would have, would have, you know, when they see that, Hey, why are we getting paid this when the other uh, Harley Davidson, you know, is getting paid this with the, like one of the only other main uh, cruiser manufacturers. Those, those workers are making this. We want equal pay. We want this and that. It just costs a lot because we have such a high quality of life here. It costs a lot to make stuff here. And that's why, uh, subsequently, for for us to afford anything, uh, we outsourced everything pretty much to other countries. And now, you know, Triumph is starting to be made in like Thailand. BMW is starting to be made in India. Um, you know, a lot of stuff like that so that we can keep it affordable and be able to undercut prices. But to say you're made in America, there's a reason why, um, you know, stuff goes out the door. You have to make 100,000 of them and sell that many. In order for to, to to even make a profit, because you're losing money on each car, like like a lot of cars, electric cars and new technologies and all this great stuff that comes out, they lose money. The R and D on all that stuff and and this and that. So um, I think their point about victory trying to undercut the market and and not be so com- uh, equitably priced or the parity or whatever with Harley Davidson or other cruiser companies right out of the bat. So they could have like made a bigger, uh, profit and all that great stuff, you know, had a better profit margin, yada, yada. I just don't know if the, the workers would have gone for it. You know what I mean? There's unions and stuff like that that won't stand for lower wages and you're going to have to be willing to sell your stuff at a loss at first then. But, um, yeah, so I'm not 100% sure. But what does tick me off is that they have something with the impulse. The impulse was 20,000 bucks, but uh, it was one, even at, when it was a Brammo, it was like that much. And the thing is, is that for the range and all that great stuff, that's what it cost. And uh, unfortunately, that's priced out of a lot of people's um price range if you're talking about a bike that only goes 100 miles you know at 100 miles an hour or whatever i know we got zero making huge leaps and bounds in the electric motorcycle category and we also have alta motors and a couple other ones actually there's there's a couple more up in san francisco area i just don't know if they're public yet or, or not um but anyway 
but that doesn't mean you know the impulse was was out. The impulse has been for sale by Bramo for a while, and then now Victory. So I'm anxious to see if they just kind of put that in their pocket, if they rebrand it as an Indian, if Victory makes a comeback like Indian has. I mean, Indian's come and gone a couple times in the last few decades, and uh, now that Polaris has them um, in their portfolio, obviously they're shuttering Victory to focus on that. So I, I can't think that they're sitting on top of all this great uh elect ev technology you know what i mean we're right on the brink of this happening and becoming like a, a crazy major thing so i mean within the next five years i guarantee it uh especially the way the automotive makers are pushing and if you listened back oh i want to say episode 38 or 36 so quite a you know 20 episodes ago i guess um the german automakers are pushing for a ban on gasoline vehicles, and they're really pushing hard in the electric vehicle market right now. And so I couldn't see why motorcycles wouldn't follow that, especially when BMW is one of those automakers in Germany, and they've expressed concepts. So yeah, there's there's just a lot of weird stuff with Victory closing, and and you know we kind of talked about it last last show, and it's just a bad. I feel like it's kind of a crummy time right now as far as motorcycles and politics and all this and that and and speaking of motorcycles and politics and and uh and this and that so to speak uh another thing that's been going around for the last like week or so a week and a half is the beef ban if you don't believe beef is like a huge lobby you don't remember when oprah quit eating hamburgers and the beef lobby like went crazy like there was a huge explosion this crazy fallout and backlash and all this crazy stuff when Oprah Oprah Winfrey talked about it back when she used to have a show on TV. Um, The beef lobby is huge. Unfortunately, they are, um, you know, using that and it's not unusual. Uh, I mean, it's happened before the, I think the exact same thing we're trying to hawk our beef to europe you know when we sell budweiser to europe it has to be different and i think the alcohol content's different the the uh, uh I, I think inabev brought it bought it anyway which is like an international beverage corporation to begin with but when you buy the stuff here it's not the same stuff as you buy there and to be honest we're eating crappy beef we're eating like hormone injected beef and we're like all proud of it but like you know they were we're, we're we're upset because they don't want to buy our hormone injected beef. Like I don't even want to eat our hormone injected beef. And the one thing's great. Like when I go back to my family's house, we're eating like natural stuff, you know, at least we're eating, we might be eating venison. We might be eating pork. I'll have eaten raccoon before and, you know, butchered the lambs. You know, I talked about that when I got back from my vacation and it might have some bones in it and it might be a little grisly because it's like right off the farm, but there are no hormones in it. And it's like, it totally tastes different and I feel great after eating it. And so I can't blame Europe for like not wanting to buy some shitty beef with a bunch of hormones in it. Pardon my French. But um, yeah, like needless to say, why bring motorcycles into it? It's just because that's another segment of the market. I mean, you can't like do it to certain things. You know what I mean? There's only certain things that we import from Europe that is really going to kick them in the nuts, so to speak. The thing that bugs me is that in the 80s, this happened with motorcycles. And 
it was Harley Davidson versus Japan, basically. And Japan was started to kick our ass in a bunch of things. And Japan was really, you know, coming out with like a lot of like super fuel efficient stuff. And Harley was like into bad times. And that made more sense because it was apples to apples. And it was purely like, you know, protecting Harley, protecting an industry. And I, I, they might even just call that protectionism or something like that. Protectionist move, uh, tariff or something like that but the thing is is you know when it's apples to apples it's easy to see but there's a lot of things that happen like this where you don't like steal i mean the only reason i know half of half of some of this stuff is because um i know i've mentioned at a time or two i used to really pay attention to stock markets and investing and seeing what was going on for what and tit for tat and this for that and even within our own country it's how we pass a lot of bills you know like sometimes to get a bill passed they will sneak some crappy thing in like uh unbanning i don't know banning guns from this and this and this will get tacked on to an education bill uh, because it's important for this or that. Or uh, it'll get tacked on to something totally different. I think that's how um, a lot of gun laws get tacked on to the end of things that people need to be necessary. And so it's like, dude, we need this. We need this road money because our roads are crap and they've tacked on like a, or our schools need money and they tacked on this extra thing whether it's taxes you know i'm using the gun thing because i for some reason i'm i remember is that might be how the brady bill got tacked on to the end of something totally irrelevant to uh assault weapon control but it happens it's in our own country so there's no no weird you know thing that should happen uh within the international trade community but it just sucks that it's going to happen and it's from 51 cc to 500 cc bikes i believe uh, i've got it here and my notes and you know the the uh manufacturers that it listed it might seem kind of weird and and not necessarily um relevant if you're if you don't ride these manufacturers but remember i we just did this thing about um going small you know what i mean and exactly what it means to uh, this whole new bike segment that opened up that was really exciting for 2016 or 2017 rather that started in 2016, but it says it affected manufacturers, Aprilia, Beta, BMW, uh, Ducati, Fantic, Gas, Gas, Cuscarna, KTM, Montessa, Piaggio, Scorpa, Sherco, TM and Vespa. Now you may say, oh, I don't ride any of those who gives a big crap, but if you're a motocrosser, for sure. If you listen to Stock versus Squares, you know that Slade bought a Beta and was cruising that thing around. It's pretty cool. Uh, the Ducatis, I don't know which Ducati that would be. I guess the Scrambler 62. Um, the BMWs, the GR, you know, the 310 and the 310 GS. Um, they're sco- uh, the scooters. No, those are 650. <laughs> Everything BMW makes is 650 except for those G310s. But we're talking about their brand new motorcycle that's just coming out that generated uh, so many headlines. And, it, you know, won't there won't be a, a competitor now to the Versus 300, you know? And all of the other cool, you know, with the G310R, well, now you have like all these cool other 300s from all these Japanese brands that aren't going to get, uh, you know, tariff put on them. So it does, you know, and if you're into racing and you or you like supermotos, the Husky, 
401 supermotos, the Vitpilin and Svartpilin. I don't even know if those are going to be real bikes, but those are uh, 401. So those are sub 500 CC. Uh, a lot of KTMs, the RC 390 for Pete's sake. And not to mention like the whole bevy of off-road bikes. It's going to affect racers. It's going to affect, um, you know, enthusiasts. It does, it affects, and, and I'm not saying it's going to happen Right now, they're saying uh, the the AMA is saying you know basically share it with your friends everywhere you can you know and then also write your uh, who do they say to write I think there's a link I'm looking at cyclenews.com um, but they say to uh, contract contact your representative basically so yeah contact your state representative if you go to the AMA website I think they have a link there so check it out. They're the ones that are going to AMA lobbies for lots of stuff. They lobbied for fuel. They've lobbied for land rights. They've lobbied for a lot of crap. And now we can have them on our side lobbying for this. So it's, it's pretty, you know, pretty weird thing. Um, set the motor. I'm sure if you've, if you're listening to me, you probably heard it from like 15 other places already since I'm a little bit uh, late on this one, but yeah, it's just like, whatever. And the funny thing is that our beef isn't that great. So go figure, you know, we're trying to make them take our crappy beef. What if we, have you ever seen how a chicken nugget is made? What if we made them eat that stuff? They're like, you don't like our liquid chicken. We're going to go ahead and tax all the great cars that you send over here. No more Audis, no more Jags, no more BMWs and you know, none of that crap. You guys eat our liquid chicken or we're just going to hose you with liquid chicken. So rant over. Good for you. Yeah. So, all right. And uh, speaking of which, I did see a Husky 401 uh, Super Duper <laughs> Supermoto the other day while I was riding. So, yeah. Uh, something I noticed today that I was pretty excited about is Guy Martin and John McGinnis going to be back for the Isle of Man of the Northwest 200. Guy Martin last year uh, decided not to race the Isle of Man for the first time in like, uh, I don't know, how long has he been racing that thing? Like 43 years or something like that. So it was really exciting to see the news that he's coming back. And also the Northwest 200. I think he got hurt in the Northwest 200, I want to say, last year. Um, and that's why he didn't race Isle of Man. I think he just he crashed too close. I might be thinking the day the year before that, but... You know, he rode the the I don't, I forget what it, the bike ride was called if it was called Ride the Divide or whatever. But he rode, you know, from Canada to Mexico on a bicycle. Um, There's great. There's a great uh, documentary about that, by the way. He also went out to Bonneville, set a new land speed record. I'm sure he did some like crazy TV show stuff and went and did like dirt quake on some rad chopper or something like that. But he did a lot of cool biker stuff. Uh, but it was just weird not seeing him at the aisle anymore. And so he's back and uh, taking the hiatus, coming back for 2017. He and John McGinnis are going to be riding the Honda CBR1000RRSP2 Fireblades. So that's going to be pretty awesome. That's the new CBR1000RR that's coming out. And yeah, so he's podiumed 15 times at the TT. And he's going to race the Northwest 200 alongside McGinnis. So, yeah, I'm going to be excited for that in June, which 
Should be feeling like June here pretty soon. You know what I did notice too is I think it was this week was like warmer weather down south and a little bit where our friends in Waukesha, 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 Jesus, who says that? Waukesha, Wisconsin. And uh, all you guys there in the Midwest that were feeling some of the like winter blast, you guys got a little bit of reprieve because I saw that the temps heated up to like the 50s and 60s. You guys, you guys, it's not in the 30s, like crazy. And here in Cali, it got down to the 50s and 60s. I feel like we're like on some even ground there. Uh, Speaking of Wisconsin, and uh, let's give another quick shout out to some friends of the show. Dude, bro, I was going in and out of traffic. This is 200 miles an hour. Direct words from Michelle Mankiewicz. She was last year's WIR Top 10 Bikes number two. Now that Guy Bellinger has sold his uh, Busa for $12.6 million, I think she moves into the number one spot by default. This year is going to be more than just taco and Dorito talk, my friend. This year is going to be some serious throwdown. They're going to have a stock wheelbase class to coincide with the real street drags. And if you're not paying attention to the WIR's top 10 bikes list on Facebook, you're a nerd. That's right. Check them out. WIR's Top 10 Bikes Facebook page. Or you're a nerd. All right. So let's get into some more stuff in this show. I got a little, I got a little song lined up for you. It involves a little bit of reflection that I've been doing regarding the year that just passed. I'm going to talk about some bikes that I don't necessarily think were the best bikes of this uh, 2017 model year. And I'm going to give them to you in no particular order. But I was just perusing through some of the stuff from, you know, last year that carried over. And uh, should I? Yeah, I will. Uh, Just a quick background. I write motorcycle technical data for a living. And so always see like what's happening and what's the what. And it's amazing how much stuff hasn't changed. I thought I, I did mention last year. With all the Euro 4 stuff happening, which is like some safety standards, some emission standards, and lots of changing uh, being required in the motorcycle, you know, emissions sort of stuff worldwide, that I was pretty, you know, excited. I was pretty sure that 2017 would be the year of, you know, crazy new bikes. And it happened. I mean, it did happen, granted. Uh, the little craze took over, which I'm really excited about. But I already feel like it's being lost on people. Like, everybody was, like, lost their mind over these 300cc uh, bikes. And uh, then, like, all of a sudden just forgot about it. It's like, all right, cool, that happened. It's like when the Grom came out and everyone did a video about how fun and cool it was and how rad a 125cc could be. And then it's like, all right, well, well, I mean, I know there's there are a lot of Grom groups and stuff. I'm not saying like the Grom doesn't have its own market and, and a niche market. And for guys with that much disposable income or girls, um, like a side, even like a secondary market of people that just want a squirrely bike to cruise around on and be crazy with. But... um. 
I just the some of the things, some of the ideas kind of petered out. I feel like already, and it's uh, I don't even think a lot of people have bought 2017 models yet. You know, they do they do start offering them uh, in the middle of 2016, unless you're looking for a BMW uh, Scrambler or the GT G310R, and then your 2016 model will be li- delivered at the beginning of 2018. So hang on, guys, for those. Sorry that you've been seeing them on the website now for like 18 months, but uh, they won't be delivered for another 22. So I have rounded up a list. Like I said, no particular order, no particular manufacturer. We'll just we'll start at the top and we'll go to the bottom. That's usually how lists go. All right, let's start off with our first one here. First on my list is the Moto Guzzi Stelvio. Why the Stelvio? Why is this bike a, a bust for 2017? I'm looking at the Moto Guzzi website, and it doesn't really tell me if this is a 2017 or 16, but that's okay. The Stelvio 1200 NTX might as well be the Honda VFR 1200X, because as with the Honda, both are forgotten. Everyone knows about the Moto Guzzi, you know, cafe racer bikes, even the cruisers. And I feel like the Flying Fortress is big, getting a lot of press lately. But when you ask somebody about a Moto Guzzi, do you think they're going to talk about the one that's uh, supposed to be competing with the R1200 GS or even the aforementioned Honda VFR 1200X with the DCT and all that great stuff that they talk about? Uh the Tenere, I mean, the Tenere almost doesn't even qualify with this one either, but the Stelvio, uh, named after Stelvio Pass, which is, uh, I think, somewhere in Dubai, uh, the, the snowiest mountain in Dubai. And, um, yeah, you know, an ADV bike from Moto Guzzi, I don't believe it. I've seen the V7 Stone, the Scrambler, the Sternello, the V7 II Racer. The Romer, the Bobber, I mean, you know, everything, everything they've got is just so cool and retro looking. Even the Norge GT8 valve, which is kind of like a, a sport touring model. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know about that. Um, but, you know, even like I was talking about the cruisers, they got the California Custom, the Audace, the Flying Fortress, all these weird ones. Even, you know, El Dorado. Yeah, look at this. California 1400 Touring. Uh, they got models that you don't even know they got. But at the same time, when you see one and you see those uh, cylinder heads poking out and you're like, hey, that's not a Honda CX. That's obviously a gigantic Moto Guzzi. Yeah, cool, man. When you see a Stelvio, you're like, what? What? You know? So my bust for Moto Guzzi has got to be the Stelvio. Right here. It says it's named after the Stelvio Pass. In the Italian Alps, uh, that might not be in Dubai. Uh, I'm not a, a geography major, so don't hold me to that. But that's what it's named after. And let's look at some of the specifications here, why don't we, while we're at it. 90-degree V-twin. Of course, we know that that's uh, not, that's transverse, transverse, yeah. Air and oil cooled. So we're talking about basically instead of an opposed twin like the BMW, we're talking about a 90 degree V that's basically running the same deal pre 2014 when, when uh, BMW went slightly water cooled. 
It's an 1151cc, so just right around the 1171ccs of the uh, BMW. And I think the Tenere might be somewhere around there, too. It's got 103 horsey ponies, which is not a real measurement of anything, but it does have 103 horsepower. Um, or kilowatt newton. I don't know how you measure horsepower in British horsepower or in metric, so I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah. So... I don't know. It just seems like one of those models that's right up there with the competition, but you would never know they had it. I mean, like I'm saying, you know, I'm not going to beat this dead Stelvio with a horse, but I'm just going to tell you one one last time. This is my pooper for Moto Guzzi in the 2017 bike of the year. Let's move back. I don't want to do this one yet. I'm going to save this one for uh, last, probably. Let's go down to, oh, Honda. What could be the pooper on Honda's plate? Oh, oh, I know what you're going to think. The new Rebel, right? Why did they redo a bike that was aging out of the market? Well, that's why they redid it, because it was aging out, you fool. And it was part of the the, uh, small wave craze. So, no, surprisingly, the Rebel is not the, the pooper in the category for Honda, in my opinion. What else? The CBR 600 can't be it because they are not going to have one for 2017. Oh, man. What's this guy going to pick? What's this dirtbag going to pick? I know he's not going to pick the 250 uh, CR250L or the L Rally because those are pretty awesome. You know, world's smallest uh, ADV bike. Yeah, I'm going to surprise you here and say that the dumper in Honda's lineup is the RC3 RCV 213S. If you see an RC3, let me know. Oh, I want to see it. The RCV 213S. Right? So why is that one the stinker, you may ask? Well, here's the deal. The RC 213 VS is going to be Honda's stinker for a couple of reasons. Partially because it's so expensive the first one, I believe I, I talked about it being sold. Maybe it was 2015. I talked about the first one being sold to a dealer in England who has a collection of Honda race bikes, perhaps. Uh, I forget. No, Unimportant. Unimportant at this point. But let's talk about this thing. It's beautiful. It's totally beautiful. It's got the serial number machined right into the uh, upper triple clamp. It's got, you know, in MotoGP, how you have to have those like crazy mirrors, uh, not mirrors. You have to, have, you have to have mirrors in MotoGP. Do you remember that part? The, uh, the lever protectors so that somebody doesn't accidentally come, come along and like bump your brake lever. You know, we've seen a bunch of dudes doing scorpions and flipping over the bars because some guy came up and whapped their brake lever inadvertently, totally on accident, but it does happen. Safety measure and precaution in MotoGP now is to have a, a little bar end protector that comes back in. It's called a Dion device and it covers your lever. <clears throat> it, it'll keep people. Sorry, I'm sorry for the mic noise. I'll quit moving it. Uh, okay, there we go. Yeah, it stops you from, from pushing your brake lever and clutch lever. And um, especially when you're when you're rubbing, you know, when you're kicking people off. I mean, uh, when you're uh, riding next to people and you're bumping into them and using them as a virtual berm, uh, it keeps you from, like, pressing your brake lever up against their soft under underarm. So, basically, on the RC... 
213 VS that those are, uh, are mirror perches too. Like that's like the mirror bracket. It's like a bar end mirror that extends out and turns into a Dion device. They have a whole carbon fiber kit for this thing. The way the exhaust routes under tail and the tail light is so tiny and hidden. The wheels on this thing, the color scheme, everything about this bike is so damn beautiful. But who's going to buy it? I think it's at 80, is it 84,000 bucks? I mean, is it like modus price? Is it that expensive? It might, it might only be 50,000 bucks. I forget exactly how much it is, but I know that it's not, you know, who's going to buy one of these and then like ride it around town? Nobody. Who's going to show up at cars and coffee or bikes and burritos on an R? C213VS. I mean, it's hard enough to say. I keep. I have to think about it every time I say it. So right there is, you know, already you're kind of up S Creek. That's a <clears throat> Saginaw Creek, by the way, in wonderful Illinois. But yeah, so you got this, you got world championship MotoGP bike that you're riding around. Nobody's going to do it. Nobody's even, you're you going to track day this thing? No. So I, I don't know. This is going to be one of those ones. <sighs> 20 years from now, 30 years from now, 50 years from now, it'll be rad. It'll be like that, like six cylinder Honda, you know, 150 CC Honda Cub racer, whatever the hell they have in their museum that they start every once in a while and fire off. It'll be like one of those. It'll be like, it'll be sadly a novelty bike is what it'll be that a few people own. Probably a lot of them will get lost, you know, over the next 50 years. And Honda probably is counting on that. And it's not going to be a real sell. I mean, is this what Honda is making their money off of? We got to sell five of these to make up for like a whole, or, you know, year's worth of Goldwing's, Goldwing sales or Goldwing. They might have a, I think Honda is coming out with a Goldwing, like these doors raise up like Lamborghini. But um, no, I mean, so that's my stinker for Honda. Now, let's move on. What could possibly come out of Ducati for me to poop on? Huh? Ducati. This year, the Super Leggera. Hmm. Drooled on by so many people in the world that it was called, named, Eichma's most drooled on bike. <laughs> and uh, the desert sled. Oh, man. Making, making waves with the scrambler. Let me think of what else has been coming out. Oh, well, let's not forget. The Hyper Motard 939, the Diavel Carbon, the new Diavel Diesel, from what I've heard, the 797 that came out, the Monster 1200 and 1200S that came out, the new Multistrada 950, which is a baby Multistrada for Ducati at least, and the Super Sport, Super Sport S. All these made their debut at World Ducati Days. Uh, right? I be, was that before Intermont? I forget, or before Eichma. Uh Well, how about the Monster Eight Twenty One Stripe? Yes, if you've never heard of the Monster Eight Twenty One Stripe, get in line because I knew I knew they had you know the whole Monster line. But when you hear of Mon- you know you think of Ducati and you think of monsters. If you don't think of the new 797 that they, you know, blew everybody's socks off, you think of the uh, 1200 or the 1200S and all that stuff, you kind of forget that Ducati even has an 821. 
And they do. The 821 Stripe. They've got an 821 Stripe uh, art version. This thing is awesome. I mean, you go there and check it out, and it's like the ultimate middleweight for, you know, Ducati has like mostly 1200s and then the 900s and then their new 797. And what else? Not much. I mean, if you talk about the scramblers, you know, we'll go down to the, I guess those are 800s, right? Something like that. But this sport bike that's an 800 is just, you know, blows me away that they have this thing. And it's kind of like, have you ever heard? Oh, I got an 821. What the hell? An 821. I don't know anybody that has an 821 of anything. But when you look at it, it's just beautiful. And it's got that monster styling. And if you tell somebody you got a monster, I mean, if you tell somebody you got a sportster, I'm assuming they think you got, and we're talking Harley now, I, they assume you got a 1200. At least they know you could have an 883, but there's not very many. When you say monster, I think there's only one assumption, and it's not an 821 stripe, okay? Or 821. 821 or 821 stripe. But they're both just super beautiful bikes. And uh, if you've never heard of an 821 stripe, well, go ahead and poop on it. Because that is my pooper, Fuducati is the uh, Monster 821 Stripe. I hope this bike does good. Um, like I said, I'm looking at Ducati's website, and just like most other European manufacturers, they don't put a year on there, so I'm not 100% sure this thing's even going to be around for 2017, even though I'm looking at their current lineup. So um, it's got all of their new bikes that they just released at World uh, Ducati World Ducati Days or whatever the hell it was called. And so this is on there with it. So I'm assuming this is a 2017 still. So while you're busy drooling over the 1299 Super Legera, and while you go back in time and barf on the Panigale, uh, the 1299 Panigale, Panigale S, Panigale R, yada, 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 all their great stuff. Don't forget they have a 959 Panigale, by the way. Um, yeah, see, they're they're like middleweight bikes just for some reason get pooped on. But the 821 and the 821 Stripe. I don't think I'm not the only one who's never heard of that. All right. Well, now let's move on to our next OE. All right. We don't need to keep that up. Anyway, next guy on the list here is Kawasaki. What could the crazy turkey bird over here at Creative Writing possibly pick from Kawasaki that would make him want to poop on it? It couldn't be the competition, could it? For sure, it is not the new Z, the Z900 and the Z650, is it? No, it's neither of those, and it's nor is it any of the cruisers. Uh, people don't really think of Kawasaki when they think of cruisers, but they do have the Vulcan and the Vaquero, and um, you know, they the all the Vulcans actually they have a quite a, a wide range of cruisers from the 650 cc all the way up to the vaquero which is shoot i think like a 1700 or something like that no it's a bike that isn't even going to be around for 2017 actually so kind of like a uh, misnomer there but it's the z8 wow i really you know the z8 and the z1000 are pretty much being replaced by the z900 and that's cool you know i read a lot of cool stuff that the Z900 was going to be eminent, but I read that it was going to be a retro, and I thought that was really actually cool. And if they still do a Z900 retro, I'd be totally stoked. But um, a lot of times what comes out is like 
conjecture doesn't is it is that even a real word conjunct yeah conjecture conjuncture isn't doesn't actually make it onto the showroom floor and so the 900 cc motor being imminent uh, certainly it was and this was by an overseas uh motorcycle site that i saw this on quite a while back like over the summer i think the obviously it wasn't a retro that came so yep one thing one thing's true but uh not necessarily the whole thing so the z8 man this is a also right there along with the ducati 821 stripe the 800 class is a class that has been like leaving and shrinking everybody's talking about the 600 cc class leaving because oh honda's leaving it but uh i you know i haven't seen anything from yamaha or kawasaki that they're going to give up their 600 cc class and uh i don't think they will but for the 800 cc class nah, you know geez bmw has a 700 cc class some people have 700s let's see the fc07 kawasaki does not have a 700 cc class but the 800 was the closest thing to that and it's just being phased out with a bunch of like uh, sixes and nines and and all this stuff. So that and the Z1000, which was you know obviously the Z800, Z8000, 200cc separating them, but the styles are gone. And the Z9, uh, they're going down slightly. 800 is dropping down to 600. And a thousands dropping down to nine hundred. So uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I haven't looked at the the um, stats. Maybe the horsepower is the same, and you just don't need as big of a motor, and you're saving some weight, and the power to weight ratio is better. Who knows? Um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. the The thing is, is that I was be- riding behind a Z1000 a couple weeks ago. And man, that thing was just, it's, they're beautiful. Another couple of weeks ago, I've been sick. So it must've been like a month ago at least. And those things are sick looking, man. Like just the, I don't know. I like naked bikes and, and just the, the style and the design and the aggressive look of those things. Um, being replaced by the Ninja 1000, just not, uh, the Ninja 1000 looks a little tamer, you know, and a little bit more, uh, it's, it's in their sport lineup but i think that they were kind of like saying that the ergos are going to be a little more upright like a sport tour you know i'm not 100 sure but yeah that 800 cc market i really like the z800 and i liked when it first came out and i thought it was cool and um you know competition for the <clears throat> pardon me the uh, yamaha fz8 right did they all have the fz800 which I think is also gone. But yeah, I don't know. Just one of those underutilized market classes. And it's just uh, kind of sad to see it go. All right, let's move on to the next OEM. Yo ho homie. Guess who's next on the list? It's Triumph. Everybody's favorite British retro now made in Thailand. Uh, so Triumph. Even after coming out with their new uh, the Street Twin and all that great stuff. They've totally kept the classic retro look. The Bonnies are totally beautiful. The Street Twin is really, really great. The whole T-110 you know, and T-100 and all that, the family is awesome. The, I mean, they're even going kind of cool with some of the new uh, the like roadsters that they have out. The new uh, Daytona 675, uh, the Street Triple Range, all that stuff even. And, and 
having a, such a great year like Moto2. We're going to be supplying the engines for Moto2. It's going to be awesome. So all this great stuff that is always coming out of Triumph and everybody is super conscious conscious of. Um, you know, they also have these things called the Tigers. Yeah, a lot of people know they still have the Tigers. They got the Tiger 800 uh, and Explorer and, and Trophy and all that stuff. But uh, the the one for me to poop on is the model year 17 Thunderbird. They have a couple Thunderbirds. They have the Thunderbird Commander and the Thunderbird LT. And these things are basically just like what the Indian Scout could, you know, I guess the Indian Scout and and any of the Harleys, you know, uh, especially the Dinas since they don't have hidden shocks like the Softails do. But it's just one of those cruisers that looks, you know, if you were to see it, you wouldn't know that it wasn't maybe a victory or something like that. You know what I mean? Except for that it's got a big, huge, fat uh, parallel twin rather than a V-twin. But still, you know, even the Rocket 3s make a lot more news because people use those to do land speed records and build big, crazy cruisers. So the Thunderbird Commander and Thunderbird LT is going to be Triumph's bike for me to poop on simply because it's like, a, you know... It's one of those turds that's floating around in the barrel that they keep around, but I honestly don't know how many sell. You know what I mean? Like, how many people are buying Triumphs, especially younger, hipper people that want the Scrambler, and you can actually buy, like, a Scrambler Heritage kit or something. I forget exactly what they call them. But they even have a, you know, a bike called the Street Cup and the Street Scrambler uh, available alongside the Thruxtons. I mean, they just, they do the retro thing so great to have these cruisers i just i don't know really how many people are going after triumph to get their harley davidson old school cruiser fix but they got a really good it's a looker it's a looker you gotta i mean check it out but i'm just saying you know next next uh next victim all right what's the next one guys i'm gonna get a lot of flack for this next one but um yamaha now, I know you all have mixed feelings about the Yamahas that have been announced for this year, and to be honest, most of them were announced last year. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But the XSR900 was a 2016. The uh, new R1, you know, I don't think anybody can complain about that. What can people complain about? I mean, the Scrambler 950, I think people are really digging that thing. And uh, I, I really can't think of too many ground-shaking new Yamahas that have come out. But the FZ09 certainly has. It's not new per se. That's the other thing. But it has been drastically restyled for 2009. And here's my beef with the FZ09. Yeah, it's true. Uh, Stock is for squares guys have one amongst the two of them that they drag race. And uh, aside from the Hayabusa, it's one of the fastest production bikes out there. And it's uh, about half the displacement of a Hayabusa. So why would I not like the FZ09? Well, I, I, it's not that I don't mind the new cool coloring because I kind of like the colorway. Uh, there's a couple different ones, but I'm specifically talking about that like bright green with the, uh, you know, the silver that kind of matches the FZ10. Now, why would you need like a FZ7, an FZ8, an FZ9, and an FZ10? Not that they have all those, but I'm just saying people are kind of 
filling in the gaps like uh, like they did with the 800 class that, that I think is disappearing. Thus, you know, Kawasaki's Z800 bailing on us and um, probably pretty soon Monster. They just had the, you know, the 1200 and the 765 or 795. So I assume their 800 is probably going to be disappearing soon. I think the 800 class is disappearing. 900 class going strong, right? So with Yamaha here. The FZ09, why did they break from the other FZs is my question. If you take a peek at, I know they don't offer them this year, but the FZ1, which was like a bandit competitor, and the uh, FZ10, which is really cool in that black and like weird green colorway or like yellow colorway. The FZ07 and the FZ6R. Now, what do all those have in common that the FZ09 doesn't? Well. The FZ09, like I said, was restyled and looks pretty cool, but they kind of drop. If you look at their their website, at least the U.S. website, they got a guy in a bubble visor and he's kind of in like a Babendum suit, which if you don't know who Babendum is, look look up the word Babendum. You'll find out. You'll feel really silly because you, you know who it is all along. But they kind of break with the styling cues of the other ones. And I know a lot of people do like a little tail tidy anyway, and they kind of don't like the license plate or fender hanging down. But the FC09 has it built in um, where they've eliminated the rear. And it looks funny to me basically when it's lined up against the other bikes, just because they all have like the, uh, Oh, uh, the um, DOT required, you know, extension with the, license lamp and tail lamp down where it needs to be and then the fz09 just doesn't have it now how does the fz09 mount theirs well i just happened to be looking at this at work the other day and working on this bike and what it is is the axle well the chain adjuster or axle adjuster whatever however you prefer to call them that you use to uh, create tension on your chain one of them is a uh, aluminum block that fits in the swing arm like most bikes have. And the other one is a gigantic bracket that holds the license plate and obviously carries the wire and everything down and um, holds the reflectors and the your actual license plate light and bracket for the license plate and everything. So they've done away with the tail section, kind of going with that weird, like, I don't know. To me, it's kind of hipstery where everybody's cutting that the butt off of bikes nowadays and finding a new way to put the tiniest of tail lights on there and stuff like that. And I kind of miss the old fender look. You definitely, <clears throat> you definitely need a fender to keep water from squirting up on your back and uh, prevent yourself from getting the hipster stripe, which is a, a nice piece of mud. If you have a, if you have a scrambler with a chopped tail section, you'll have a muddy stripe on your back or a water stripe if you're driving one of these crazy things. Like, look at the husky fart peeling and all those dumb things where there's, like, no tail end. I know it's really hip and I know it's really trendy, but to me, the FC09 looks dumper when compared to the FC10 and the FC07. Uh, I don't know. Just that's just my opinion, I guess. And the other thing is, is that the FC07 has kind of a mean Ducati Street Fighter look. The FC10 has its own like groundbreaking. You know, there was a lot of pictures, and everybody either loved it or hated it. Especially in the uh, the slate gray and yellow or green, whatever you want to call it, colorway. 
But the FZ09 is just kind of this weird mix where it doesn't quite look as aggressive even as the FZ07, and it doesn't look uh, stylistically, uh, I don't know, differentiated from the FZ10. So it's just it's an awesome bike that they changed to kind of match the styling of the family that it fits in, but they've kind of like totally undone it by making it totally different. So they made it fit in by making it not fit in. So that's my dumper for Yamaha. Yeah, I could have picked a lot of bikes, other bikes that other people would have picked. But that, you know, just based off the styling cues, that was my pick. All right, next victim. (laughs) They'll never get old. All right, next uh, on the chopping block is Suzuki. Now, Suzuki has come out with the new GSX R1000 and the 1000R and 1000RR and all that great stuff. And it has been deemed the new king of the streets, which is great. But um, let me tell you, that's not the bike that I'm going to pick to pieces and call the dumper because that's going to be Suzuki's much needed upgrade. I know this, everyone thought the 650 class was going to fade away just because Honda is not going to be making one for 2017. But uh, everyone else has stepped into their place. And, of course, the SV came back this year. So uh, Suzuki has no shortage of 650s either and really good quality sport bikes. As far as cruisers go, they've got, you know, the Boss 109, M109R, and they've got some pretty good... Um, I mean, all the way through their cruiser line down to the the uh, little TU250X, which is kind of like a cafe. It's like the closest thing to a production cafe racer-styled bike, even better looking than the SR400. And um, I wouldn't say it quite trumps Yamaha CB1100, but I don't think that's being offered here in the States. So um, you can't buy it in California, but for the rest of the country, you can get this the, uh, the uh, TU250TX. So... Um, let's see, they got a legendary, uh, supermoto in the DR and the corresponding dirt and, uh, smaller displacement DR 200, the van van, one of the cutest little bikes to come out way cuter than, you know, the, the little TW 200 that Yamaha has. It's just way cooler just cause it looks like an old beach fat tire cruiser motorcycle. So the one I'm going to take a dump on then. Since all the other ones seem to round out pretty well, I can't find one that's crappy, can I? Oh, yes, I can. The Suzuki Boulevard S40. Yeah, this baby comes in in the Harley Davidson 108th anniversary trim colors of copper and black. And the king and queen style seat that just truncates there at the end, right where the taillight mounts to the fender. Stylistically, this bike is clunky, chunky, and outdated. It's also one of the most overlooked bikes, and that's why you can grab them up for so cheap. So on one hand, this is Suzuki's dumper just because it needs a restyle. They haven't done it. to. They've done basically every other bike except the uh, Boulevard S40. And it doesn't have any of the cool, like, mean power cruiser looks like of the M109 or the classic looks like of their, like, C50 and C90 and all that stuff. It just looks like a crappy peanut tank cruiser rip off of a Harley with the tiniest little forks, a couple chopsticks up front holding the wheel in place. So 
There is a redeeming quality, though, to the S40, and that is that if you're familiar with the uh, company Ryka, which is R-Y-C-A, there are a couple of Stony Bros out here um, just south of me. I think they're like in Irvine or something like that. Those dudes have all sorts of kits for the S40 because you can pick them up so cheap on eBay and or like CycleTrader or your local Craigslist or whatever just because they are such a dumper. For Suzuki, uh, you pick one up for like, I don't know, a couple grand, and then you buy this kit for another grand, and voila, for three grand, you've got yourself a pretty decent running Thumper Cafe Racer, and they also have Scrambler kits, and I think they're working on a tracker kit. It's been a while since I checked Rika's website, but... That is the redeeming quality of the S40. Otherwise, uh, it's, it's a cheap test bed and a, a cheap uh, hack, you know, a little mule to hack on. So that's a great starting point uh, price point. So, but as far as like it being in their lineup still after all these years, it looks like it should have been dropped in 1982. So that's my poo poo on Suzuku. Load the next one up, Steve. All right, the next on the list is KTM. I know KTM's got a lot of fanatics, especially off-road fanatics, so I'm going to go ahead and just come out and say which one. I don't want anyone to start sending hate mail right away. KTM does have a rather fine lineup of both motocross, dirt, and street bikes. So I'm going to go ahead and just tell you it's the Super Duke. Oh, the Super Duke. You know, there's only one Super Duke. It's a 1290. The other ones are just Dukes, right? Why would I pick the 1290 Super Duke? Well, to all those uh, who love the 1290 Super Duke R, that's not the one I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about the 1290 Super Duke GT. Oh, 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 what's that? Exactly. That's why this is KTM's pooper. Uh, I know that... KTM makes extremely great uh, bikes, and the 1090 and 1290R, and Adventure R, Adventure T, all that great stuff. Those things are looking pretty, uh, you know, pretty on par with the uh, Tiger, and with the V-Stroms, and with all those other big bikes, right? But the Sports Tour, the Super Duke GT, uh, that thing basically looks like they try to take a Super Duke and cram it into a Versus 1000 LT or something along those lines. Um, yeah, I really don't know. When you think of Super Duke, you think of like the R, basically, right? And uh, you, if anybody's going to buy a Super Duke, invest the money in the 1290, they're going to go for the like ultra, ultra sporty. I mean, the Super Duke R, you look at it and your panties drop regardless of your sex. So, yeah, that's just one of those bikes that uh, you'd say you cram, you did, you crammed that into like a semi ADV looking bike. It's a little bit more upright, but it's not, you know, you already have the travel bikes, you have the tour, you know, the, the Adventure R's already and the Adventure T. And you got them in pretty big sizes. So why do we need to do this? And that's my question exactly. So that's my dumper for KTM. 1290 Super Duke GTA. GT always sounds so cool, but then you look at the bike and you're like, okay. All right, next. 
Well, right up next on the chopping block is Harley Davidson. Oh boy, there's so many to choose from. And Harley Davidson's even cut some models in recent years, and they dropped a few last year. Uh, they're going to be dropping, apparently. Uh, they haven't, I, I haven't heard, but the, uh, the V, uh, V rod. I almost said V star. The V, uh, the V rod. So, somebody to choose from, man. They got a quite a quite a array, and they range now from the seven fifties on up to the like eighteen forty twos or something. I don't even know how big their motors get. Harley Davidson is one crazy mamajama, and uh, they're the powerhouse of the American motorcycle economy. And I would just like to say, Harley, I, given all those statistics and facts, I would like to take a big fat poop on your freewheeler. Why? Because a trikeage. It's not even a motorcycle. So let's just take a dump on that. And I, did, I didn't put Can-Am on this list because they're not motorcycles either. And neither are the slingshots. They are uh, three-wheelers. So why would I put the freewheeler on here? Well, because as people get older... And uh, self-balancing bikes aren't around to help old people yet, uh, you know, overcome their disabilities. They have these things called trikes. And you can get them in the biggest, ugliest colors that Harley offers. But, guaranteed, if you can afford an FLHTK, which is the ultra-limited, all decked out, the one of the crazy bagger, you know, on wheels, motorhome on wheels... Then you can afford a freewheeler. The freewheeler starts at twenty six three three nine. That's U.S. monies. Probably in Canada, it's like three million three three nine. So, a freewheeler offers every single thing that the FLH TCUG, which I believe is what the trike is called, um, except for there's no tour pack. You just have this little trunk behind you. So that's why nobody's ever going to buy the freewheeler. There's just not enough crap. And if you own a Harley and you got to take all your crap with you all the time, there just ain't enough of it around. And so you always need a little bit more and a little bit more store it. You know what I mean? You're out there eating your American beef, giving the bird to all the European manufacturers at the uh, gas station there, at the coffee shop. And uh, you're up rolling up on your, uh, if you're not on it, an ultra limited you're on the ultra limited trike or whatever the hell it's called and this freewheeler is really just going to be the boat anchor in your lineup of uh, current vehicles so although i would say that uh, from my personal perspective and personal point of view the freewheeler looks like it would be the most fun to throw some dirt tires on and ride it across mongolia so for what it's worth harley you could always uh, do that send me one and i won't complain about it uh, but let's move on to the next OE. All right. Well, coming in next on our list is BMW. BMW also has quite a few hundred thousand bikes to choose from. And just coming out with their new bikes that will be, uh, you know, tariffed by the Harley Eaters Beef Ban which is the G310R and G310GT, no, GS, I'm sorry, Galandestras. And what could I possibly pick from BMW? They also came out with that bagger, which I haven't seen yet in the States. Um, Let's see. 
Well, out of all the bikes that we got to choose, I chose the F800 GT. Why? Because just like the Ducati 821 Stripe and the Kawasaki Z800 and all the other 800cc models that used to be out there, uh, where you still have one, this is a vestige of the you know bike marketing right here. I love the F800R, don't get me wrong. I really do like that bike. But the F800 GT... Who the hell is buying an F800 GT as like a sport tour when you've got like, you know, the R1200 RT and the K1600s? No Americans like middleweight tours. They all like bigger ones. And you can tell by the um, KTM Super Duke R uh, GT that nobody would want an F800 GT. They're just We're just too big and fat over here in America. I'd like to see... BMW keep the 800 though and make a sport bike out of it. I know they have the F800R and it's a roadster. It's a pretty bitchin' looking roadster. It's been around for a while. I've loved all the iterations it's been through and I don't not like the F800 GT. But the thing is, is it's like, man, how many of those do you sell and why I waste your time on them basically when pretty much in America. You see the R1200GS everywhere, and I have been seeing some S1000RRs a little bit more, and R9Ts, actually, to be honest. But, you know, you're blowing all your time out on these 1100 R. you know, the R9Ts are all 1170, and the R1200GSs, at least I'm pretty sure they're still 1170ccs, and uh, so now you got these K, or the F800s. I'm sure the Adventure sells great because it's just the baby of the GS, and that makes sense for that platform because smaller, you know, sometimes you might want a smaller. Hell, they have a 650, 700, and 800. Why don't they just make an 850 and a 900 and a 990 while they're at it too, right? But take this F800 GT and keep the sporty look of it, but make it even a little bit more sporty and make it a sport bike. All right, that's it. BMW, you're off the hook. All right, who's next? Who's next? Well, 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 if it isn't Husqvarna, Husqvarna, you're going to be in trouble because we're about to ban you with the hamburger patty. So, Husky, what bike of all the bikes am I going to ask you why the hell you're making it? Well, that's going to be your two-stroke. T-E-1. 150 and why just why i mean everything else looks great i would have said like your your uh vit pillin or svart pillin but i don't think those are real motorcycles as of yet i mean i know they are real and they really exist but to me they aren't until i see one on the road or at a dealership or that uh you've actually sold one even if they are extant they will always be uh you know, sort of a, I don't know what what the word I'm actually looking for here is. Uh, but anyway, get back on the bike that I'm, that I'm talking about you pooping on is the uh, two-stroke TE-150 simply because, well, it's a two-stroke. So, you know, it's got a nice um, headlight on it and I'm sure it's got taillight. And it's for, you know, trail riding and off-road riding and probably enduro cross and all that great stuff. But I guess you have to have an entry bike at some point. But when you have the rest of your bikes at, at like 250, 300, 350, 450, 501, 
you know, and then you jump up to seven to one. And I don't, I just, the only one fifty I see in your lineup. I'm just curious. And that's my bid for uh, pooping on it. Just stems basically from the fact that it doesn't seem to fit anywhere else in your lineup. All right, next victim. Well, well, who comes next but the Indian? Indian, Indian, Indian. I love in your FTR 750. Um, I pretty much like the Scout and the Scout 60 when I seen them. And uh, the Scout that they built for the Wall of Death ride looked pretty awesome. Roland Sands took a Scout, totally deconstructed it, and turned it into an old 1920s board tracker complete with, you know, bespoke frame, bespoke everything, and a leaf spring uh, front hassock style suspension. Or Hasek style, I'm sorry. Hasek, uh, Hasekoff is a uh, an actor from Baywatch. Anyway, come on, Indian. I'm blabbing on just because I'm trying to bide some time here to give you some time to explain yourself. Why on earth? Why? The Indian Roadmaster. For nearly $29,000, you could have just kept the victory vision, which is what this ultimately reminds me of. You're boring me, Indian! All right, a couple things before we wrap up the show. I wanted to ask you, did you hear that the circus is shutting down? After over 100 years, I believe uh, their website said 146 years, the Ringling Brothers Barnum & Bailey Circus is uh, closing its doors, so it's not just Victory that's closing down. And basically, you know, over time, our tolerance for what is okay to do and what's not okay to do we start to see things with different uh shade of glasses let's say everything that we once saw in in one light now gets exposed to us in a different way and their elephants basically is the main deal they they are closing down because uh due to animal rights activists and uh you know public being made uh, aware of certain Thing, like not the conditions necessarily, but just the fact that like they have these gigantic wild beasts that they're making do tricks. Little do people know that they also had a uh, elephant rescue that they funded with the circus, but that's neither here nor there. Hopefully that doesn't go away because they are shutting their doors, but I don't know how they're going to fund it now. But, you know, it's, it's an interesting sort of thing where it's kind of like what I see happening this year. I'm kind of worried about the motorcycle industry in general. It's kind of been in a slow decline ever since it kind of fell out in 2008. Now, what does the circus have to do with motorcycles except for the, you know, they both have, you know, victories shutting its doors, the circus is shutting its doors and the circus has been declining. The motorcycle industry may be declining. Ah, well, the promoters of the uh, AMA Supercross and the Amsoil Arena Cross also uh, own the circus. It's Feld Entertainment. They also put on stuff like Monster Jam and Disney on Ice and stuff like that. But it's just interesting how one aspect, I mean, you don't think about the circus closing affecting motorcycle racing, but it may. I don't know. Maybe Supercross and, and uh, Arena Cross were actually... Uh, paying the circus's bills at this point if attendance was down and production costs were high. I have no idea. But it's just an interesting, um, you know, it's a small world when one company owns, uh, you know, basically owns uh, the rights to and promotes what 
uh, you know, something in the motocross world as well. So that's interesting. The other thing I want to tell you is that we are going to have a tech tip this week. I don't know if we had one last week, but this week's tech tip comes from Nitrous Chris, who sent me the tech tip while on the pot (laughs) and not the marijuana, uh, the toilet. So this week's tech tip, to sum it up and kind of shorten it down since we're running a little long here, is don't let other people tell you what you can and can't do. He made a really great, eloquent point in his short missive to me about how other people will always poo-poo and basically shit on your ideas just because they've never done it before or they know a guy who tried it and never did it before. And how, for whatever reason, because you're not doing what other people are doing, they always want to put down your ideas. And that's been happening since the beginning of time, and it's just its a weird part of human nature where we want to be right. Maybe it's an authoritative sort of thing where we want to establish dominance and we want to be perceived as the smartest in the room. But that was something else that he said is, you know, be careful who you talk to and be careful who you talk down to because once you think you're the smartest guy in the room, that means you're not. And people will make vague comments that they may know something that you don't. And even though they don't even know what you're doing and you haven't told them the details about what you're doing, they'll just have some great reason why it won't work. And they've already, you know, you may have already had success with it and they'll just keep shooting you down. So that's this week's tech tip. Don't uh, listen to anybody. Follow your heart. Follow your dreams. It's important to fail. And uh, through failure comes success and learning. So that's it now for this week's Sorry List. Stay tuned for next week. Next week's going to be a great episode. I'm going to read a Craigslist ad. I never do that. Um, We're also going to have some talk about uh, building bikes. I've been talking to a couple of people on the Facebooks uh, regarding building bikes. Once again, I think I mentioned Richard Warfield from the Loud Pipes podcast used our Facebook email us page to uh, get a mail off to me and it worked so please if you don't want to type in creative writing podcast at gmail.com to look for us just go to facebook and click that button if you're not on the facebook's check us out on the tumblers at creative writing creative dash writing dot tumblr dot com or on the web at creative dash writing or creative hyphen writing if you uh, prefer the writing a hyphen instead of the dash uh and that's oh my god i'm i just lost myself i'm out <clears throat> creative writing and its associates and any producers and affiliates would like to apologize to the following people places and things beef the ama the Circus, Ringling Brothers, Barnum & Bailey Circus to be uh, precise, and Feld Family and Entertainment Group. The Moto Lady, Lucky Wheels Garage, Hipsters, Train Tracks, Cesar Chavez in downtown Los Angeles. Hashtags, Shady Parking Areas, and The Wrong Side of the Tracks. We'd like to apologize to the Loud Pipes podcast, the Throttled podcast, Motorcycles and Misfits podcast, and all of the rain, which everybody may be encountering right now in California. 
We'd like to apologize specifically to Rich Warfield for mentioning your name so many times in this episode. We'd like to apologize to Facebook, Tumblr, Victory Motorcycle Company, Victory Impulse, especially the one for $6,000. We'd like to apologize to China, Child Labor, Sweatshops, and any communist country that may artificially suppress its own minimum wage and currency value in order to attract business. We'd like to say sorry to Guy Martin and John McGinnis and the Honda CBR1000RRSP Fireblade. Sorry to the Isle of Man. Sorry to Pipes Peak. Sorry to Pikes Peak also. Remember, Pipes Peak is maybe not real. Maybe it is. Sorry to the Redwoods. We're sorry to Moto Guzzi Stelvio, the Honda RC213VS, the Ducati Monster 821 Stripe, Kawasaki Z800 Triumph Thunderbird, Yamaha FCO9 Suzuki Boulevard S40 KTM 1290 Super Duke GT, Harley Davidson Freewheeler, BMW F800 GT, Husqvarna TE152 Stroke, the Royal Enfield Classic Chrome, and the Indian Roadmaster. Wow, I totally forgot those last two bikes, but don't worry, we'll put them on our website. We'll write an article about all this, and uh, sorry to you for listening and uh, listening to me complain about the rain and how I don't feel good and how I can't ride and all that great jazz. We'll talk to you later hope you uh, check out the show check us out creative-writing.com on the web and shoot us an email at creativewritingpodcast at gmail.com tell your friends later tater well that concludes our list of bikes do you think they're gonna say oh <clears throat> pardon me do you have any gray poupon that's what they're gonna ask you uh uh uh, that's true. Yes, here it comes. I tried to cover all the major manufacturers. Literally, I I have. I've pooped on. I took a ride. I had pants on, so I guess I didn't poop on it. But uh, I sullied it. I sullied it good. What was that? I kind of forget now. And uh, come up with the reason why I thought their particular model, you know, your 17 or, you know, whatever And I'm just going nuts. What could possibly come out of Ducati? What could the idiotic producer Kawasaki... (laughs) Oh, Ducati. Coming out with a bunch of new stuff this year. Ducati that I could poop on. Well, my 2017... Oh, am I peeking? Really looking good. Uh, Ducati, which is... Well, let me tell you. What was the... I forget the Ducati... Um, I... Days at at <sighs> yawn 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 yawn. <laughs>